we have physical limitations, emotional limitations, relational limitations. We have spiritual limitations. We all have limitations. We've all heard the expression, the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, if you ever pick up a piece of straw, there's not much to it. But when you put it to all the other load of things on the camel's back, then, of course, you have overload. Basically, what margin is, is the distance between all these expectations and our actual limitations. Margin, for example, is the money that you have left over at the end of the month. And we should, if we're living God's way, we should have, be able to have something left over at the end of the month. Margin, uh, for those my age and older, it's the breath that you have when you get to the top of the stairs. Whew. You know, you're still alive. Uh, margin is the sanity that you have when your kids are growing up and they leave the house. It's, it's that, that margin, that space that you have left over. Margin is when you have time to actually stop when you have time to listen, you have time to learn and to love and be renewed. You know, with the, with the advances of technology today, you would think that we would have all this extra time, wouldn't you? You would think we just have tons of free time to do whatever it is we want to do because of all this technology. For example, I mean, you can do almost anything online. Uh, they were saying in the States, I saw on the news the other night, that the malls weren't that crowded in the States because more and more people, billions of dollars are being spent by simply staying home, shopping online. You can do your banking online. You can even do your dating online if you want to. But you wonder, with all these technologies and just a push of a button, why don't we have a lot more time? Well, I believe one of the reasons is because even though technology has really sped things up, technology has made a lot of things more convenient to do. Along with the technology and the speed it has brought, it has also brought a sense of hurriedness to our lives. And hurriedness really works against margin. It works against that space that we need for our lives to actually be fruitful. Technology moves life along a lot faster, and so it brings a lot more expectations. Now, some of you will be too young to remember this, but I can remember when I was younger, apart from the, apart from the telephone, the only real mode of, of communication you had was Canada Post. Remember those days? And if you wanted to write somebody, you would actually sit down, you would take out a piece of paper or letterhead or notepad, you would take some time to write out your thoughts, and if you still wanted to send those thoughts, you would put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and walk to the mailbox and drop it in. And then you'd go back to your life because it was going to be a couple weeks before you got an answer back for your letter. Today, what do you do? You sit down at your computer. In a matter of seconds, you just type up a note. You send it off via email or some Facebook post. But then you don't go back to your work. You sit there and you wait for an answer, don't you? I mean, I mean, you send some, something on Facebook, a little post, and you can't just walk away from it. You've got to keep your phone on in your hand because that person's going to reply. But here's the downside. As soon as they reply, then you've got to think of something smart to say back. And if you've got nothing smart to say, you just, you just add one of those little stupid emoticons. Don't you? You know, you get the LOL or the, you know, whatever the face, you know, but you just have this pressure to, to just get right back. And sometimes... This ever happen? You respond too quickly. Or you say something too quickly and you can't take it back. That's one of the downsides of our technology. Uh, there was also a time that if you missed a TV program, now, young people, you're not going to believe this, but there was a time if you actually missed a TV program, you missed it. And you got over it. 
Maybe someday it was going to be a rerun, you know, a couple years down the road. But today you PVR it. So that not only can you PVR the show, you can PVR the entire series. And then you take your day off when you should be resting, and you have an entire day of binge-watching this TV series. And if you finish watching that TV series, then you go to Netflix. And you can watch every TV series. But you see, the downside with Netflix is this. Is you, you come across this great show or some, you know, we like, kind of like the Victorian era or whatever, so we catch some of those or a friend recommends a show, so you start to watch it. Maybe it's got two series with 12 episodes in each series. And so you watch it in a matter of three nights. But when it's over, you're so depressed because it was such a good program, but there's no more to watch. You just binged on the whole thing, and you've blown, and you know what I'm talking about. And so we have all these technologies that have not created more margin. In fact, how many remember the Jetsons? Remember the cartoon, The Jetsons, right? And what, what, that was basically a futuristic idea of what it was going to be like, like 20, 30 years when we were smaller, 20, 30 years from now. And the idea was technology was going to create a lifestyle for us where all you had to do was push a button and things got done. So you'd go to work. Remember George? How was your, how, you know, he'd come home and the wife would say, how was your day, George? It was exhausting. I pushed four buttons. Remember that? And so that was the idea. You just had to push a button. Everything was done for you. But the problem is, is that technology hasn't done that for us. What technology has done is increased the expectations and increased the stress. In fact, we live in a day with all the technology that we, we, can't, we can never get unplugged. We're always connected. We're always supposed to be available. And I can, in fact, you see, people walk around today, and it's like their phone is glued to their hand because they're going to miss something. You know, the, a buzz comes, a, a ding or something on the phone, and they get ahead of it right there in order to know what's going on so don't miss it, even if it's just, again, one of those dummy emoticons. We all have 24 hours in the day. We all have seven days in a week. But what has changed, I believe, in these recent years is that we're living our lives against this backdrop of hurriedness, this hurriedness in all of our lives. And so this morning as we talk about margin, I just want us to see what God has to say about making that room being deliberate in making that room for God. Why? Because it's within those margins that we actually see health grow. It's in margin that we see relationships begin to be nourished and foster. It's learning to live within those margins that we find that we're able to actually have some reserves in our lives so that when something does go wrong or something is unexpected, we actually have something with which we can respond. Now, our scripture this morning is Ephesians chapter 5. If you're taking notes, chapter 5, verse 15 to 17. I want to read from the New Century Version, and then perhaps we could read this scripture together. It's kind of light. I apologize. I should have had a darker background. But if you can read all those words, why don't you read these words with me? We're going to draw our points from this morning. Paul writes these words. Be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good, because these are evil times. So do not be foolish, but learn what the Lord wants you to do. What this scripture, the context is, Paul is saying, we need to learn how to properly relate to our time, to our energy, and to our resources. And here are a few ways you can do that, because Paul says, be very careful how you live. Be very deliberate how you live. Don't be foolish because God has a fullness that he wants you to know. God has a fruitfulness that he wants to be in your life. 
And so you, there's some things you've got to do to experience that. Be careful how you live. Here's a few ways we can do that. Number one, we need to pay attention to rhythm. Pay attention to rhythm. One of my favorite Bible verses, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, you know it very well. Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary, all you who are burdened, heavy laden, whatever translation you use, come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. That's a classic scripture. But I've always loved down through the years the way that Eugene Peterson has paraphrased that verse in his message Bible, and he says this. He takes Jesus' words, interprets them this way. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? That is that sense of, of duty, just doing stuff for God. Come to me. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. There was nobody who potentially was more busy than Jesus. There was nobody who had more expectations on him than Jesus did when he started his ministry. And yet, as you watch him move through the day, move through the crowds, move through discussions or conversations, there was always this sense that there was just this bubble around him. Not in the sense that he's protected from things, but he had this sense of order in the midst of the chaos. He had this sense of direction in the midst of all these distractions. He just had this sense of wherever he went, whatever he did, he was in control. And out of that, there came a fruitfulness. There came a sense of purpose. He was never washed up and, and pulled away by the crowds and, 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 and pulled back and forth. And there was a reason for that that we're going to see in a couple minutes. We see these unforced rhythms of grace. Paying attention to rhythms, for example, we see them in God's creation. We read in Genesis chapter 1 that when God made the earth, then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. When God made creation, he put a natural rhythm into it so that it would work perfectly, an ebb and flow in all of life, all of creation. God, for example, he gave us light. He gave us light so we could work in the day. He gave us light so we could do the things we need to do in the light. But have you ever noticed God did not create 24 hours of light? God was the one who made the darkness. Why? Because he also wanted there to be a rhythm in our lives where we learn to sleep. We learn to rest. We learn that we can't get it all done. I really believe that's one of the reasons why God created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. Does anybody honestly believe God needed a rest? No. But he was establishing a pattern in his creation for us. He wants us to understand, it doesn't matter if you work seven days a week. There will always be something else you can do. There will always be another expectation on you. You have to learn to pull away. You see, one of the reasons why I believe Christmas Sunday is important as well is because it lands on Sunday. And one of the reasons Sundays is important is because God has given us a day where he says, look, I don't care how busy life is, I want you to know there's a day that I want you to be off. Because even if you don't realize it, you need it. You need to stop. You need to rest. You need to refocus, realign, you need to invest in relationships, whatever. You can't get it all done. Can you imagine if God just kept creating? Imagine he didn't stop at seven days. Eight days, ten days, hey, this is a blast. Twelve days, fifteen days, create, create. I mean, eventually you're going to say, hey, God, can you create some space? There's just too much. And God put that into order for our reason as well. 
Now, remember the days, the old farmer days, some of you are older than me, when people would get up with the sun and then go to bed with the sun, right? You got up early in the morning, you worked all day, a good fruitful day up at 5.30, 6 o'clock when the cock crowed and put in a full day. But when it got dark, what did you do? You began to wind down. You're probably in bed by 8 or 9 o'clock. Fruitful, fulfilling days. Then electricity comes along. And what happens? Now we can stay up whenever, as long as we want. We can watch TV. We watch the computer. We can binge on the programs again. It can be 2 o'clock in the morning before we decide to go to bed. And if we don't have to work the next day, what happens? You sleep in all day and waste the day. Or if you do have to get up, you drag yourself through the day. That natural rhythm gets broken. We also see the rhythm of God in our bodies, our, our hearts, the way our heart works. I mean, it pumps blood. The energy it takes to pump. But you know why it can keep pumping? Because it rests, and it pumps, and it rests. Think of your lungs. Your lungs, they breathe in. They work to breathe in the air, and what do they do? They rest, and they exhale. Can you imagine if you just breathe in? Try it. Right? doesn't work. You have to relax in order to get your next breath. And when we're talking about margins, we're talking about what God has put into place so that we need to work while we're supposed to work. But we also need to relax. We need to rejuvenate. There's also seasons God has built into the natural order of things, times when things grow, times when things rest. And if we don't learn to pay attention to that part of God's design, it'll always be to our detriment. You know, one of the things we tend to do, I don't know if you're guilty of this, I know I am, is that when things are going well, you tend to think, well, this is great. I don't want to stop. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, so whether it's work, hop, whatever, the, whatever you throw yourself into, you just kind of keep going, keep going, and you think, I can just keep up this pace, and nothing's going to happen. It's all going to be good. I don't need any rest. And that's not true. It's kind of like what guys tend to do. I know women are too smart for this. But guys are driving along in the car, and this light goes on that says you need gas. Now, what's the first thing a guy, and maybe you're not like me, okay, but one of the first things the guy is thinking is, okay, the light is on, but I can calculate how much gas I've got left in that tank. Your wife is a smart when she says, the gas light's on, we should pull over and get some gas, and you say, you just pick some random number out of the air. No, we've got 38 kilometers left in this gas tank. And you see, so you don't bother stopping, but we all know how that ends. Eventually, you will stop. And it usually won't be at a convenient time. The same is true as our body. I can see all these guys now talking to their wives. We just go and go. And we think that we don't have time to stop. But you know what? If you don't stop, your body will say, oh, yes, you do have time to stop. And you'll find yourself on your back until your body recuperates. The same goes with your spirit. Friends, hear me. And you know this well. We can only go so long without the presence of God before we dry up. And we know when we're drying up because there just comes that dryness to us. There comes that edginess to us. There comes that lack of patience. There comes frustration. There comes blame. There comes dysfunction. There's just this sense of things not being as they ought to be. And let me tell you this, and I've said it before. It doesn't matter how many sick days you take. It doesn't matter how many vacation days you take. That's not going to minister to your spirit. Your spirit, as Augustine once said, only finds its rest in the presence of God. That's it. You will never rejuvenate your spirit just by physical breaks. We need both 
but we must not neglect our spirit. How many of you ever tried putting gas in a car while you're driving? You can't do it, can you? Somebody's, somebody's thinking, I'm going to try that. He didn't say how fast you had to go. Well, you can't do it, driving at a normal speed. What do you got to do? You got to pull into a gas station or into your drive if you got a gas can. You got to put the car in park, and then what do you have to do? There's a big sign, in case you don't know this, at the gas stations. Turn your motor off, right? You've got to just shut it down if you're going to refuel. And friends, we have to have that, season, that time in our life, that time in our day, that time in our week, where literally we just shut it down. We put ourselves in park, and we turn off the motor in order to get refreshed. Now, there's also times when you need to drive in low gear. You need to drive at a, at a, at a, at a, a slower pace. And really, hear me, that is where relationships are fostered. If you want to have meaningful relationship, whether it's with your spouse or your children, whatever it may be, with a friend, you need to do that in a context of slowing things down. You can't just go fast through life and have the person always understand because I'm busy. No, there's got to be a time when you slow down. You spend some time with your spouse. You spend some time with your kids, your friends. You spend some time in church, in a life group, in a small group. And there's also, of course, the times when we're in drive. That's the majority of our time through the day. We're just in drive. We're doing what we have to do, and most of our day is made up. And there's also times when we're in overdrive. There's very short seasons where life gets really busy, but it's just for a concentrated period of time. And so we kind of put in overtime. We kind of work really hard. And, and, but it's only for, an important, uh, for a short period of time. For example, for anybody who's an accountant here who works with finances, I mean, tax season goes on for a few months, pretty intense. You're putting in a lot of overtime, okay, but it's only for a season. Joey's down here, works in landscaping, okay? You're not going to see Joey out there in the winter planting daffodils. It's not going to work, okay? I shouldn't say that. Maybe you do. Uh, but you're not going to be doing a whole lot of landscaping, okay? But you're going to work hard while the sun shines in your season. And so we all have times when life can be in high gear, in overdrive, but we can't stay that way. But here's my question for you. What are your rituals for renewal in your life? What are you doing, or if you're not, think about what do you need to do by way of ritual, by way of regular discipline to bring renewal into your life, to bring replenishing of the fuel that you are expending. I went to the doctor back in the spring, had some chest pains and had some tightness in the shoulders, and he said, he said, Paul, I need to put you on stress leave. I said, doctor, you can't put me on stress leave. I'll have a heart attack if you put me on stress leave. There's too much to do. But I said, I can slow down. There's some adjustments that I can make. And that's not wise. I don't brag about that. None of us should be in that spot. But we can have seasons like that. But we need to understand there's no convenient time in our calendar to kind of just get away from it all. So we have to make some adjustments. We all have seasons of stress in our lives. Uh, any mothers here of young children, you understand that, right? It's kind of like a, a Moncton winter. You're wondering, when's this going to be over? You know, you love your children, but it's a stressful time. Uh, you see, mothers understand it because maybe you've seen the commercial on TV, but, a, you know, a mother can't go to her toddler first thing in the morning if she's sick and say, hey, listen, kids, do you mind taking care of each other? Mommy's taking a sick day. Doesn't work that way. You can try it. The kids will have a blast, but it just doesn't work that way. So you have to make sure that there are rituals for replenishment in your life. Uh, physically, for example, we all need proper sleep. We need nutrition. We need exercise. Uh, emotionally, you need to find what it is that fills up your tank emotionally. It might be a walk 
on the trail, it might be hiking, it might be going with a friend for a coffee. Whatever it is, we all need to find something that emotionally refreshes us. The same happens relationally. Maybe it's a date night with your spouse. Maybe it's a family night with the kids. Maybe it's a meal around the table a few times a week where you don't have the TV on or you don't have the the telephone on, uh, the smartphone, whatever it is. But what are you doing? Let me ask you this morning, what are you doing to create some of that space or some of those margins for your relationships? Financially, the same is true. In these days in which we live, are you creating margin in your finances? Uh, are things just too tight that if something goes wrong, there's no way you're going to get out of it? Or in the time right now of relative peace or, or stability, are you taking advantage of that to create some margin in your finances? If you don't know where to start, let me tell you, in God's principle, the very first place to start is in your tithe. God wants to bring a release of blessing into your life and provision. He wants to guide you in the way you spend your finances. And he also promises if you're faithful to him, he will rebuke the devourer who comes into your life to erode and take away. And then not just in giving our tithe, but we also need to be generous with what remains. Like James says, we need to be a people who don't just consume upon ourselves the leftover of what we have, but need to be asking to be led by the Lord as to how we use that also to bless others. And finally, how about spiritually? Spiritually. You know, it's good for us to come together in the house of God like this, but there's a growing trend. I read about it a long time ago, and I see it played out. I've talked to pastors. They see it played out today. Today in the North American church, the average believer believes, convinces themselves that they are actually a faithful church attender, or they call a certain church their church when they only attend maybe, attend maybe once a month. Well, I'm a regular attender at Glad Tidings. I go once a month, but I'm a regular attender. I'm faithful. Every month, I'm there once. And so we need to be faithful to the house of God when we come together. We need to be faithful not just in a house of God in a larger group. We also need to be connected with people in a smaller group where we're part of a, a group where we're growing, we're doing ministry with other believers, and then most important of all, in this area of rhythm, we also need to be what I call self-feeders. Self-feeders. It's wonderful to come and hear from other people, be encouraged by other people, but friends, every single one of us need to receive firsthand revelations from the Lord as we read His Word and we allow Him to speak into our hearts. But the key to all of these areas, whether it's physical or emotional, relational, financial, spiritual, all these areas of our life, the key is that we have a regular ritual of renewal that keeps us living in this rhythm that God has for us. That we're not overwhelmed, we're not distracted, we don't go through weeks and weeks and weeks without hearing from God or being used by God, but we understand that God has placed a rhythm in our lives so that there can be just a natural sense of releasing and replenishing. Releasing and replenishing in the midst of all the distractions. We need to pay attention to the rhythm. Secondly, we need to pay attention to seasons. Look again what, Paul, what Ecclesiastes says. For everything there is a season. For a, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. Now I'd encourage you just to read this chapter by yourself. Read it and reflect on it, because what you'll discover is not only does the Bible say that there are different seasons in our lives, but we need to understand the season that we are in. Hear me, friends. One of the ways the devil robs us of the joy and the fruitfulness of every season, the importance of every season, 
It's just to have the seasons blend together and kind of have the same expectations in all the seasons and not recognize the season we are in and the changes God is asking of us or He would lead us to give priority to so we can maximize that particular season. Let me ask you this morning and think about this. Give thought to this. What season are you in right now? Whatever season you may be in, God intended to be fruitful. God intended to be personally satisfying and enriching for you in whatever season you are in. As long as you draw breath, God has a plan for you. God has lives to touch through you. God has things He wants to show you. There is no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. You don't get to check out. You don't get to kind of go south for six months, okay? Because if you're going south of heaven, you know, you just don't want to go there. Okay? We're called to be people of the kingdom. And it doesn't mean that pace doesn't change and priority doesn't change, but God calls for fruitfulness in every single season we're in, in different kinds of ways. Be very careful, Paul said, how you live. It means pay attention because that's how you get balance in your life. I remember when I was the 16 years old, I had a job at Sobeys and I worked on the parcel pickup line. For those of you, who remember, anybody remember parcel pickup? They still do that nowadays? I don't know, I haven't seen it around very often. But in any case, uh, this elderly gentleman pulled up and I went to get stuff and he asked my name and asked what I'm doing. I told him I was working at Sobeys and, and I said, oh, I can't wait to, to you know, uh, finish working and can't wait to, to finish my school and get into what I really want to do. You know, I thought I was being ambitious. And, and I'll never forget, this is 40 years later. He said to me, son, don't wish your life away. Don't wish your life away. And I never forgot that. In other words, in every season that you are in, there is purpose and fulfillment comes when you discover that purpose. And you may be in a season, friends, that is very difficult today. You may be in a season that you can't wait to get through. Let me encourage you in understanding, we serve a God who redeems. And whatever our season is, God has purpose for us. In whatever season it is, there's something He will teach us. There's something He will shape in us. There's something He will use from us in another season. No season will go to waste if we will give that season to the Lord and say, Lord, this is a hard season and I can't wait to get through this season. God would say to us lovingly, don't wish this season away. There's things I'm nurturing in you. There's things I'm growing in you. I'm showing in you. You may not see the fruit right now, but you're going to see fruit come from this because of what I'm building in you, because of what I'm bringing you through. Understand the season that you are in. You know, we tend to think, I got a diagram here of, uh, of balance. You know, we talk a lot in life about having balance. And we, and we tend to think that, that balance really is about, you know, just having everything in order. You know, so much today of commercialism and the sales stuff, it's all about systems. You know, get this system, that system. It kind of just brings this balance into your life. But how many understand life doesn't work that way? Things usually don't go as you hoped or as you planned. So what we need to understand as believers who live in these days, we need to understand that different things, different things need attention in different seasons. For example, going back to young families, if you have young children, as this next diagram shows, you are in a season where you need to shift your attention. It's not dead in the middle. It's not all balanced out. You are in a season where you need to focus your attention away from other things onto the thing that is most important. Hear me, friends. That may require temporary change for one of your careers for a season. 
giving attention to your children, which is the most important thing, it might require a change in your career for a period of time, a change in your income for a period of time. It may mean actually getting used to living in a messy house. And that's okay. It doesn't, I, I love going into a home where there's children and it's not all neat and it's lived in. Because that's the season that you're in. It can be clean, but it can still be messy. It's no big deal. It's a season. And you know what happens with seasons? Seasons change. They change. When Vanessa and I were down in Texas for our anniversary back in September, it was so funny. Uh, you, know, you know what we're like in the winter, right? Eh? You know, I can't wait for the, you know, I can't wait. We're walking into a mall. These two ladies are walking out of the mall. Now, over here, one saying to the other as they step back outside of the mall, and this is September, okay, so it's, it's not very hot. It's like 90 degrees, but this is Texas, where it's usually like 120. And they step out, and they feel the heat again. And they, one said to the other, I can't wait for the summer to be over. Isn't that funny? I thought, that's us in April. I just can't wait for the winter. You see, no matter where you live, you all got a season. No matter where you live in the world, and that's Hawaii, okay, that's a bad example, but most places you live in the world, okay, you've got a four-month season that nobody really likes. You just got to learn to find some ways to enjoy it. Like if you live in Moncton and you love winter sports, then it's the best season of the year. We got the snow, we got all that kind of stuff. But we need to recognize that there are seasons that we have to give our attention to that aren't going to last forever, but they may not be the easiest thing. The same goes with your marriage, as the next picture shows, or your job, or your spiritual life. If you pay attention to what season you are in, you'll be able to adjust your priorities and your expectations and get everything out of life and relationships that God intends for you. As Wayne Cordero pointed out, an example he used, this is what is called being led by the Spirit. That's what it means, being led by the Spirit. And what you'll discover is you'll listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to understand the season you are in and what you are to give yourself to, what's important, what's not important, something from last season you can't carry into this season, you've got to let it go. The next season might have different demands on you, different expectations, so you adjust accordingly. But as you do that, what you discover is God is creating space in your life. He's creating margins in your life. He's creating room for God. That's what I think Jesus meant when he said, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. God has built a natural rhythm into our lives that's intended to release and then replenish, release and replenish. And you make margin when you pay attention to the rhythm. You make margin in your life when you pay attention to the season that you're in. And finally, you make margin when you pay attention to God's will. Look again in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul says, be very careful how you live. Do not live like those who are not wise, but live wisely. Use every chance you have for doing good. Let me just say this quickly. What's Paul saying? I believe what Paul is saying is this. Don't just blow through your day. Don't wish away your week. Don't start Monday saying, I can't wait till Friday. Understand you have a week if God gives it to you to do good. You have lives that you can impact. You have conversations you can have. You have people you can help or pray for or minister to. And some of you are learning that. Some of you have been determined these past months to step out of your comfort zone in the everyday rat race of life, to say, God, I'm going to slow it down and I want to do good today. And you step out of your comfort zone and you know what? God gives you someone to talk to. God gives you someone to pray with. God gives you someone to touch uh, by the Holy Spirit and your days are becoming more fulfilling as you're simply following God's prompting. He says, do good because these are what? 
Sorry to wake you. One more time. These are evil days, so do not be foolish, but learn what? What the Lord wants you to do. Now, we all come to that point in our lives where we feel like, oh, I need balance. You ever feel that way? Now, I need control. i got to get control back. Things are getting too crazy. But here's what we tend to do. We tend to look to systems. When things are getting out of control, maybe we look to a time management system. Or we look to a diet and nutrition system. And these things can help to some extent, but they're limited. What I want us to see, why? Because Paul says, these days are evil. You better understand that the culture in which you are living. He says, listen, you are living in an environment that if left by itself, you are going to just naturally regress without even making bad choices deliberately. In other words, if you're just kind of coasting, if you're just kind of going through your day, going through your week, allowing the demands to dictate your priorities through the day, what you give yourself to, or even if you have a mindset, I just want to get through this day, I want to just get through this week, you're going to find that your life is going to actually regress rather than progress. And what I mean by that is you don't necessarily have to consciously make bad decisions. You can just stand there and you'll gain weight. You ever discover that? You step on the scale like a week, what happened? Like I didn't intentionally choose to eat this and this and this in the sense of because I want to gain weight. I just kind of let my guard down. I just kind of went back to the natural flow of everything that's around me, all the appetites, all the distractions, and I begin to pack on a few pounds or we start drifting off course. It just happens by the nature of the climate that we live in, the culture that we live in. That's why the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 2, he says, listen, you need to give more careful attention to the things that you first learned, or else you're going to drift. You're going to drift away. You need to pay close attention. You don't really have to do a lot of things consciously, negatively, in order for, you know, your life to be overtaken. You notice that with your garden? You know, you just kind of look out and all of a sudden, you know, you pull weeds for two hours the week before and they're back there. Life's the same way. It just happens, he says, because these are evil days. We all have, we can all have these systems, but it doesn't mean we gain control in what matters most. What we need is not just systems. We need a center. And here's the difference. We need a force in our life that is strong enough to bring all these other things into their proper place. We have that example from our solar system, don't we? We have the sun at the center of our solar system that has all the power that is needed to take all of these planets and all of their moons and all of the milk, all that kind of stuff that's there, all the, the asteroids and everything else in our solar system and keep it in perfect balance in their order in a perfect rhythm. And in the same way, here's the mistake we make. We have activities, we have work, we have relationships, we have demands, we have all these different things, and what we tend to do is we add Jesus to it. He's one of the things. Now the problem with Jesus just being one of many things, if he is just one of many things, he can be just as easily replaced by other things. He can be dumped, bumped down the list because something else has come up. Do you see the difference? When he's just one of many things on this long line. But when he is actually the center, when I actually make margin in my life to make room for him, to make him the center, 
then he has the power to take all of these things and bring them into their proper place in my life. For things that shouldn't be in my life, he can kick them out of the orbit. For things that aren't in the orbit and need to be, he can draw them in. He can bring these things into alignment, into order, into my life. And here's the beautiful part about it. When you actually have the things in your life and out of your life that you know the Lord wants you to do, it's a whole lot easier to say no to the things you have to say no to. You hear me? And when you can learn to say no to the things you need to say no to, it becomes a whole lot easier to say yes to the things that you need in your life. Life is made up of years. They go by so quickly. Years are made up of months, months, weeks, weeks, days, days. You see the rhythm here? Hours, hours, minutes, minutes. Seconds, seconds, okay, I was going to say moments. Moments. Our lives are made up of moments. And I just always envision those moments as an arrow. And every moment we have an opportunity to hit the target. And you know what the target is for the follower of Jesus Christ? Ultimately our target, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. All this other stuff will be added. Just learn to seek the kingdom. Don't be ruled by this stuff. Don't be distracted by other things. Don't get caught up in the novelty of newness all the time. There's certain things that are important. Get those fundamentals nailed down. Everything else you need because the target is this. The target is to make our life count for God. That's the target. That's really what life is about. And that's everything the enemy does to distract us from. He doesn't want your life to count. He doesn't want your life to impact other lives. He doesn't want you above all things to know God, for God to be the center and the joy of your life and the power that flows from that, the freedom that flows from that, the witness that flows from that. He doesn't want that. But the Lord says, if you want your life to count, make me the center. Let me be that force that brings everything else that needs to be there into its proper place. That's why it's so important that we pay attention to the rhythm. It's so important that we pay attention to the season that we're in, but most importantly of all, we have to pay attention to the will of God. We have to pay attention to learn what the Lord wants you to do. That was Pastor Christian to join me. You know, God has built a natural rhythm into all of his creation. And we forget sometimes that we are his creation as well. And so even though we forget this, God has intended from the moment he created you and me for there to be a rhythm in our life, for there to be a give and take, for there to be an ebb and flow, for there to be an inhaling and an exhaling, for there to be an exertion and for there to be rest. That's God's intention. But that rhythm only comes to the life where there's a centeredness in a relationship with the Lord. The Apostle Paul put it well. He said in the book of Acts, he said, in Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. How different would our lives be if that was truly true of us? Not that we know the Lord, believe in the Lord, not that we enjoy, don't enjoy feeling his presence once a week or, or once in a while, but if he actually was the force in the center of our lives. If he actually was, and friends, this is not pie in the sky and the stuff. This is Christianity 101. If he actually was our first thought in the day, and when we woke, we wondered, Lord, what do you have for me today? What would you do today? How would you use me today? That, that when sin comes our way, 
immediately there's a recognition of it and a repulsiveness to it because it's not something we want to play with because Christ is the center. So it's not a matter of religious do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. There's just a sense in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. No, no, you don't want this. This will interrupt the center. This will interrupt your orbit. This will interrupt the rhythm. This will interrupt the season that you're in. You need to protect that relationship so that things continue to flow in their rhythm and order. In your marriage, in your finance, whatever it may be. That's what the Lord wants to do. If we are being led by the Holy Spirit, how many know this? He will drop things into your heart of what you should do, shouldn't do, should say, shouldn't say. Hear me, friends, as you move into Christmas season, I don't mean to be a Scrooge, but there are some of you here today who you need to listen to the Holy Spirit when he says, don't spend your money. You hear me? You're not in the financial place to blow the money. Your kids don't need all this junk. Get them a few things. Teach them what Christmas is all about, whatever it may be. We just have this world spirit that wants us to be in bondage, that wants us to be crowded in, that wants us to be busy, 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 so much busy. And friends, I mean this with all my heart, so busy that we look at Sunday morning Christmas and say, what a drag, we have to go to church. That is demonic. That is the enemy. That's the spirit of darkness that wants to crowd the light of the world out of your heart. I, I don't I don't. Know. I don't know. You know, I don't know. It boggles my mind. I mean, if we're out of town, fine, but it absolutely boggles my mind that it would cross the mind of any follower of Christ that on the Lord's day, on the Lord's day, we're going to stay home because it's Christmas. <laughs> Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> you know, it's like it's your birthday, but you can't come. We're making a big cake, but you can't have any. It's your birthday. We are declaring the light of the world has come. And I don't care how busy life is. I don't care how much the enemy throws at us. I don't know how much our culture says you have to spend and spend and spend to be happy and to have the big dinner and all that kind of stuff. Friends, in the midst of all of that, it's about Jesus. Christmas is about Jesus. But your life is about Jesus. It's about being centered in him and saying whatever's going on, whatever the demands may be, you know what? Jesus is in the middle of this. And if the other stuff fits in, then fine. But it's not about the stuff. It's about Jesus. If we have time for the other stuff, if we have money for the other stuff, whatever, we'll do that. But this day is the Lord's day. I'm worshiping Jesus. My life is centered. Wasn't planning to say that. But listen one more time to what Jesus said. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? What does he say? Work harder? No. Come to me. In other words, all that stuff's not me. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll actually recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Where do you need those margins? Where do you need to make room for God? I don't mean just add him to everything else. But where do you need to make him center so that everything else has its proper rhythm and its proper order? Amen? That's just called the spirit-controlled life, being led by the spirit. And those who are led by, their, by the spirit, hear me, friends, they are sons and daughters of God. Not religious they are sons and daughters of God if you're led by the Spirit. Would you stand with me? 
I'm going to ask the ministry team to come. As we always do on a Sunday morning, if you're here and you want to receive prayer, maybe in your body, relationship, finances, anything we talked about this morning, if there's anything you want someone to agree with you in prayer and you say what, you may not even want to say what it is, that's fine. But just say, there's a particular area I want you to pray with me about because I want it to be centered. It's way out here right now. I want to bring it in, let Jesus be the center of it. Then we're here to pray with you this morning. If you have sickness in your body, we have folks who want to pray for you, that God would heal you this morning in his presence. But most importantly of all, if you're here and Jesus Christ is not the center, if you don't know him, then you know you don't know him. If he's not the center this morning, you can simply say, Lord, I felt your presence here. I know you're real. And I just know my life is out of whack. It's just, I can just sense in my heart it's not where I need to be, not what I've been created for. I want to make you the center of my life and bring those other things in order and experience everything you have for me. That simply means you're just opening your heart to God and saying, forgive me of my sin, forgive me for doing things my way. I invite you into my life, Lord. Bring the order and peace and cleansing and forgiveness that I can begin to walk your way. If that's your heart's desire, I'm going to invite you. We're going to sing the song once going to close in prayer and as people are slipping out it just makes room for you to come whatever your need may be this morning if you want to receive christ for the first time if you want prayer for specific need we're going to dismiss by just offering that opportunity this morning as you come and you don't don't need to rush out either you may be hearing something spoken to your heart just take two minutes and say lord i just want to deal with this while i'm here or lord i just want to acknowledge this season that i'm in before i go back out in the rat race i want to acknowledge lord what is important the priority is where my attention needs to shift. I want to let some things go, whatever it may be. Just take a couple minutes to do business with the Lord as well because we're all in a season of one kind or another. Amen. Let's just worship the Lord for a moment and open our hearts.